Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady and I'm here with Lou Weiss, who is the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio. He also has a company called All Metals and Forge Group that produces open die forgings and seamless rolled rings for heavy industrial uses and machine rebuilding. You can check those out at steelforge.com. And joining us today is Mike Katian, who is the managing director of Kivnon. We're going to talk about a neat new technology that's been around for a while, but it's still deliverable in 2022, and that is autonomous guided vehicles. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, Tim. Hey, Lou. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate being here. Well, we love talking about new, new technology and new stuff for manufacturers in this country, North America. Uh, Obviously, uh, with all the things that we've gone through over the last two years, uh, we need more technology because we're losing more people uh, retiring and so on and so forth. So why don't you tell us about your automated guided vehicle? Sure, sure. So Kivnon is, a, is an automated guided vehicle company. There's a lot of different acronyms, AMR, AGV, AGC that you'll hear, but um, Kivnon kind of specializes in, in smaller units, you know, really, really lends its, you know, self well to manufacturing. We're, we're strongly in automotive. So we're doing a lot of line side delivery of components to assemble, you know, cars. Um, the AGVs for Kivnon have been around roughly 12 years now and, and have sort of evolved over those years. We've got a lot of different ones. We have ones that we kind of call maybe in the industry are more mouse style. So they kind of tunnel under, they can tunnel under dollies that carry like the parts. And then we have some tuggers and some kind of rotational units and things like that. Most of them follow magnetic tape, but also we have what we call mapping, which is a type of slam, which is sort of infrastructure free. So. And the ones that, oh, I'm sorry, the ones that don't, follow tape are there they using a, a radio frequency system uh, mounted on the device and communicated from some central office in the warehouse or or the dc so for the guidance it's it's more of uh it's laser it's sort of a you know slam so it's like site tame site tame simultaneous laser <laughs> simultaneous localization and mapping so it's it's finding its mapping its path as it goes sort of right and not using tape or or magnets in the floor or things like that the the vehicles themselves then sometimes communicate via wi-fi or radio to kind of get commands of of what to do sort of so typically agv is not sort of unique to kibnon but agvs in general sort of always have sort of their navigation whether it be laser triangulation or magnets in the floor and then separately they sort of have their communication of what to do right what's telling me what to do and typically that's either over radio or wi-fi nowadays okay so typically uh what do these devices do they transport goods parts uh finished parts what is, what is it actually doing? Yeah, so a lot of our units you'll see in, in like I said, in manufacturing, in the final assembly process, a lot of times, let's say we're taking components to the line, like headliners. So we're towing a 
you know, a, a big dolly or trolley that has a bunch of sequenced headliners, right? So these gray, gray, beige, <laughs> black, and on the line, the guy is sitting there ready to take those headliners and put them into the car, you know, in sequence. And a lot of times it's sort of a, an exchange, right? So we pull up, deliver a dolly, we auto unhitch so that the, you know, the dolly with the next 10 or 15 headliners is sitting there waiting to go into the car. And then we take the empty one away and go back to, you know, the warehouse to kind of keep that cycle going. So uh, there are several or many companies such as yours. Is your product do something different, unique, uh, more, uh, uh, more exciting for the manufacturer? Yeah, I mean, there's so AGVs, right? There's a lot of this. So there's some larger style that are more fork, more like fork AGVs or forklift AGVs. That's not really what we're doing. We're more, you know, a lot of times maybe considered an AGC, an automated guided cart. And there's a handful of companies sort of like us that are, like I said, the mouse style that tunnels under is, is definitely more for manufacturing. A um, couple of things that set us apart is we've got, a flex tag app, we call it, which is an app that you can use on your phone. And it's, it's kind of unique in the industry. It's, it's, it's kind of neat because yes, a lot of the AGVs are following a magnetic tape, but there's a bunch of RFID tags that are placed alongside that are kind of telling it, slow down, speed up, change your safety bumper, go charge, you know, crossing, you know, this vehicle goes this way, other vehicle goes this way. With the flex tag app, you can kind of read and write all those RFID tags. And it's not, it's not uncommon for like a big system of ours to have hundreds, if not thousands of those tags, right? You go into a big manufacturing plant. So anybody, you know, whether they were the ones installing it or they're six months later, the ones, you know, maintaining it, let's say, can use that app to go check out an intersection and, and see what's going on with each tags and make modifications pretty quickly. So that's kind of unique. I, I, I like it. It's, it's easy to use. The other thing is, all our AGVs have PLCs on board. So that's a little unique in the industry as well. Most, most AGVs have like an industrial PC. Um, our owners strategically try to, you know, make a decision to put PLCs on board. It's just giving you more flexibility, really, is what it gives you. What's the impact, Mike, on manning? We know that there is a labor shortage, not in, just in this country, but across the world. Part of it caused by COVID, part of it caused by the Great Resignation, part of it caused by the unavailability of skilled labor. So what's the impact on manpower in a warehouse or distribution center that makes these things, to me, invaluable? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, we've I've kind of talked about this before. Is like I've been doing AGVs for 24 years now, and we used to always try to, you know, show a payback. I mean, it was pretty stringent ROI sometimes with some of the big three in terms of one year payback and things, right? And now it's it's not even necessarily trying to repulse, you know, or, or not say replace somebody, but, you know, reposition them to another job or things. It's out of necessity. I mean, this is, you know, a lot of the things we're doing is simple too. Like I said, this is I mean, it can be as simple as A to B, right? If we're just on a loop with three AGVs that are just taking it to line side and allowing the person to put the component in the car. Um, we do have some more complex systems and things that are like big buffer units for seating manufacturing and things like that. Um, but it's, 
it's it's sort of a necessity now i mean i mean i'm not i'm not fighting that same thing from 20 years ago of hey you're taking our forklift jobs of you know like like lou said at the beginning i mean there's a lot of people retiring in that age group i mean those jobs are sort of going away i mean people are expecting automation and agvs are a great entry level into automation i mean i i mean there's big giant you know e-commerce warehouses with convey and sort going everywhere and asrs and things like that that you know, cost up, you know, tens of millions of dollars, but you can start with an AGV system under a hundred thousand dollars just to get something going A to B, like I said, so. Do you help in uh, financing or is the client on their own on that? Yeah, so I mean, some companies we use through third party leasing. If people people do want to do leasing, that that is an option. I mean, we, you know, we even have some customers that will, capex the hardware just the units and batteries and things and then or, or i'm sorry they'll they'll purchase the soft costs right the the installation the the software and then uh you know lease the hardware and things like that and you know you can do three-year leases five-year leases things like that so it, and that's third party right so you're you're located in uh michigan is that correct Yep, we just launched our, you know, U.S. headquarters in Farmington Hills, Michigan. Um, really excited to kind of get rolling. You know, the building's up and going. We're going to have some some open houses and some demonstrations available for customers and things like that coming up shortly. So excited to have kind of a, a solid footprint now. Yeah, you're originally uh, home offices in Spain. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. So all the units are manufactured in Barcelona, Spain. That's where the headquarters is. We do have locations in Mexico and Brazil and the UK, France and Czech Republic. Well, Barcelona is a nice place to visit if you're going to go to home office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. I'm, I'm looking at, I don't know how much snow is outside here in Michigan right now, but <laughs> it's probably not a bad time to head to Barcelona. <laughs> well, it's far enough away from the Ukraine not to worry. Yeah, right. That too. That too. Mike, you're going to be at Modex. Correct. C five four eight eight. What's your ideal customer to swing by booth C five four eight eight? Yeah, so like I said, we're really strong in automotive and manufacturing, the tier ones and tier twos. But um, you know, any you know appliance manufacturing some even non-durable manufacturing and things like this throughout my career i've seen a lot of agvs in these other industries and you know we're we're coming out with different units and things like that we'll have two or three units in the booth i think we're going to have another unit in, in in one of our partners booths as well um but yeah any you know anybody who's in that you know manu you know durable manufacturing non-durable manufacturing space and even, you know, food and beverage and healthcare and things like that, we, you know, we're starting to spread into that a little bit more. Please, yeah, please come by and stop and see us. Is uh, talking about one technical aspect, uh, you talked earlier about charging. How long does it take to charge or how long does it hold to charge? Uh, can it operate in a uh, overnight dark warehouse environment? These are all important things to some manufacturers. Sure, sure. And I've seen the, you know, the charging has sort of evolved a little bit over the years. I mean, most of the time now we are doing what we would call, you can call it opportunity charging or, 
you know, scheduled charge, but, but basically the vehicles charge themselves, right? They go, they, they, they go and drive over a plate that's in the floor and, and when we're doing an automatic charge and it, and it depends on the system, right? I mean, if you're at full capacity and, and, and running nonstop, right, it's going to take a little bit longer to charge than it would be as if, you know, you're at half capacity of the unit and maybe, you know, lower utilization of the vehicles. But, you know, you can usually figure anywhere from 10 to 20% of the time the vehicles could be charging. And it also depends on the type of batteries. But yeah, I mean, this is where you really start to get your bang for the buck in a system is a, let's say a three or four shift operation, right? You know, op, you know, operations that are running, let's say 24-6 or 24-7, the vehicles, and that's really where the payback is, right? So if it's a one, if it's a one shift, five day a week operation, and, and you've got a, you know, an ROI calculation of one or two years, that's going to be difficult. But if you're running, you know, 24-6, 24-7, the AGVs, yeah, they just continue to run. They just need to charge occasionally. It's pretty neat. Uh, yeah, Tim. We have had uh, a company on the show that makes those plates in the floor. Okay. So, uh, you know, we're, we invite our listeners to uh, hunt around Manufacturing Talk Radio, their website, to learn more about AGVs. And interestingly enough, our top viewed show happened to be a show on AGVs. So, okay. Okay. Looking forward to uh, any social media push you can add to this uh, to see how it performs. And uh, what's your expectation for Modex this year? Is it uh, it's going to be a large show in Atlanta? Um, I would hope that a lot of manufacturers stop by the booth. Yeah, and I really I don't know about you guys, but it's for me really excited finally to sort of get back out there. <laughs> it, it, it was Modex two years ago where, you know, companies just started to pull out and that was sort of the last show that had, you know, obviously lower attendance, but it was like right at the, you know, of COVID hitting here in the US sort of, and, and that was two years ago. So here, I think people are kind of, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic I know myself ready to kind of get back out there, see all these people. Like I said, I've been in the industry a long time. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to walk the booth and see a whole bunch of faces I haven't seen in person in a while. So, well, just uh, a point that uh, we picked up along the way. Uh, you're right. They, it is the biggest show of its type. Uh, and my understanding is that they're expecting close to 40,000 people. I mean, sure. There's some, there's some towns and cities in this country that aren't that big. Sure, sure. It should be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, we're, we're not going to be there, unfortunately, this year. Uh, but we are going to be geofencing. So you're going to see us on your phones. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> cool. So how many different types of vehicles does Kivnon make? And let's not forget to get your website address into this conversation as well. Yeah, yeah. So you can check us out at kivnon.com. That's K-I-V-N-O-N.com. And we've got a range, you know, it's 10 plus vehicles or so, kind of starting with some smaller units that are, that still, you know, are, are they're kind of like rotational units that, that have like diff drives and are, are smaller. We use them a lot for seat buffers and things like that, or, 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 even goods to person and things like that. And then we've got some, 
we kind of grow from there into some of our more traditional, like I said, the mouse AGC style. So there's forward only, there was, there's forward and reverse. Um, and these have sort of a pin up, a lot of them have a pin up to be able to drive under a unit, like I said, and, and, and engage with a pin to deliver it to line. And then we have some larger units that are more like, you know, a little larger tuggers. Um, and then there's a, there's a, there's some new, you know, products we have that have come out over the last year and are still, you know, we're improving on that are, are more geared towards pallets, pallet sizes in terms of like a lift deck or, or fork style. So. What kind of lift capacity do they have in terms of picking up weight and moving it from point A to point B? Yeah. So, I mean, our, our, that's one of the things too, that sets us apart a little bit at Kivnon is like the mouse style and our tugger units are pretty high capacity in the industry for, for our mouse units. So like our, our bi-directional one is, uh, you know, over 6,000 pounds of, of capacity. Wow. Um, yeah, which is, you know, when you're talking about maybe pulling one or two or three trolleys to the line of, of, of parts, I mean, some of them are larger engine parts, to be honest, so, or even bodies that are pretty heavy. So that, you know, that's a little unique. Um, the fork style AGVs and things and the lift deck style AGVs that we have that you'll see on our website are, are, are newer releases for us and are still, you know, we're still improving upon. And, and that's kind of opened up some doors for us to be able to do some some other things outside of our traditional, let's say, pulling dollies in a in an automotive setting. And are there people in manufacturing plants, and uh, not to cast dispersions on AGVs, but occasionally they may stop or they're not supposed to stop. Yeah. What what happens next? Yeah. So I mean, the safety standard that governs the AGVs basically makes it so that. You know, if you step in front of an AGV, they slowly stop unless you kind of jump in the <laughs> in the zone zone that you're not really supposed to be in. So there's usually typically two zones, let's say, and one that lets you creep closer until they stop. And, and then there's a sort of a stop zone. So a lot of times, if, I mean, if you were to jump into that stop zone, they would immediately stop and there'd be an e-stop and alarm and things like that. This is all sort of governed by the ANSI B56.5 safety standard for the AGVs and how they work. Things are evolving and, you know, there's a new ISO standard coming out and there's, there's sort of a push to make them a little bit more universal globally as opposed to you know, Canada has their own, the US, Europe has, you know, different settings. And then you start to get into, yes, can they start to make decisions to go around something and things like that, right? So right now the safety standard basically kind of says, no, there's some wording changing and, you know, there's sort of demand to try to make them a little bit more autonomous, right? We call them, some of them are called autonomous mobile robots. You want them to be able to maybe make a decision to go around something. You also have to make sure that it's safe so that if you're an operator and you're working all day, putting that headliner in, we're talking about, you see these AGVs every day, they're always following the same path. All of a sudden they don't follow the same path. There's some safety issues involved. So that stuff is evolving. You know, I mean, that, that, that discussion has been going on for the last few years in terms of, is it a, is it a direct line? Is it, an area that the AGV stays in. And it'll be kind of, it's interesting to see where that'll get to in terms of, you know, more flexibility for the AGVs and, and 
And also, I think you'll see less people, right? We're, we're talking about the, you know, the labor shortage. I, I think that outside, that human factor of, oh, I left the pallet in the walkway or the guide path at the AGV, or I did different stuff. I think you'll see less of that just because there's less people and those jobs are going to be more automated. So, Several years ago, I went to uh, Ohio on a business trip. I was taken as a guest to one of the steel mills. Uh, in Ohio, and uh, we were up on a uh, ramp uh, looking down at the manufacturing floor. We went from one end of the building to the other end of the building, which was maybe three quarters of a mile. It was a straight line. They were producing steel and so on. We saw two people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. So is the steel shortage really, a, I'm sorry, is the employee issue really that big of an issue or was it created because of costs of production that the automation took off? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I think back of a lot of the, you know, I've been in a ton of facilities and a lot, like I, like I said, a lot of the manufacturing ones, there's a lot of people doing stuff, right? You know, you know, you're, you're especially assembling a car. There's a million parts that go into it. You know, it's a huge thing. And then I remember that being the bulk of my experience. And then I went into a can, like a aluminum can manufacturer. There was nobody, right? There's no people, right? I'm like, we're here to talk to, you know, about some opportunity here, but there, you know, like night and day in terms of how many people, there was almost nobody, you know? So uh, the steel mill that I went into was a steel strip mill. Okay. It's nobody. I mean, yeah. you know, the steel was rolling by and being cut, chopped, put on rollers, put on a truck, and it was gone. Yeah. yeah. It was quite amazing. <laughs> and this was a number of years ago. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> That's fascinating to watch what's happening in automation. I have contended for some time that manufacturers don't have the option of not producing even though there's a labor shortage, they will find a way. Right. And certainly moving up to three tons of material on uh, carts pulled by tugs without a human sitting at the wheel is a way to solve some problems. And we appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise with Kivnon. And we look forward to hearing what happened at Bodex. Who stopped by the booth and did they hear about you from Manufacturing Talk Radio? Mike, thanks yeah. for joining Well, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. A lot of fun. Enjoy your Modex. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Uh, by, the, by the way, what is your email address if, if you would, uh, wouldn't mind? Yeah, so it's Mike, M-I-K-E, period, my last name, which is Kotzian, K-O-T-Z-I-A-N, at Kivnon.com. Yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Tim. So we would appreciate those folks who are listening to the show to go to Kivnon.com and take a look at the automated guided vehicles that this company produces. Visit them at Modex at C5488. While you're surfing the web, stop by jacketmediaco.com, where you can find all of our podcasts, including this one. And as always, thanks for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.